Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. What is the church? What is the church? Certainly this series has been one of exploration, and uh, I've enjoyed it. I hope that you have. I've enjoyed some of our conversations that we've had um, after some of the the different uh, topics that we've walked through, some of the different questions that we've looked at. Answering the question, what is the church, is a, is a big one. I mean, there's obviously a lot of different definitions that go into it, and a lot of them would be right. Probably most of them would be right. As we walk through this recognition of who we are or what the body of Christ is or what this all looks like, I'm excited that today, when we talk about what the church is or who the church is, that we are all in this room together, children included. And I know some of the parents uh, of younger kids that are in here right now are saying, hey, that's nice, but let's get through it fairly quickly because we know that there's a, there's a timer on some of the, the kids uh, in here, their, extent, their uh, attention span. But what I will say is, the reason I say that is because the church is not reserved for uh, adults. The church is not reserved specifically for those that have uh, had a, a certain amount of time or, or seat time or whatever that might be, but the church is made up of all of us. And so children that are in here right now that typically might be in children's ministry, let me just say to you, you are part of the church. And this sermon, while you might not understand all of it and everything that we say, is for you just as much as it is for me and for your parents and your grandparents and everyone else that's in here. The church is the body of Christ, and in fact, uh, Paul, he was a a follower of the way. Um, He had a a transformation in his life, and he went from a place of of attempting to try to kill Christians to a place of of following Jesus and proclaiming the word and planting churches. And one of the things that he did, if you haven't heard this before, is he wrote letters. And these letters oftentimes were for encouragement, oftentimes they were uh, to to bring forth the truth so that people would understand and know what was true about God and what heresies were being taught maybe in their own context. And so Paul wrote a letter, uh, actually he wrote a couple of them, but the first letter he wrote uh, to the church in Corinth was called 1 Corinthians, is what we know it as. And this letter details, specifically in chapter 12, what the church is to function as, or how the church is to function as the body of Christ. And so for those of you who are here today and would like to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read from chapter 12, starting in verse 12. It'll also be on the screen. And if you're here with a child, it might be good to help them at least open the Bible with them, if you've got it with you, or maybe even using a Bible app, and to show them, maybe follow along with them so that they can also participate in the reading of the Word. Chapter 12, verse 12, begins like this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gent- Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, And we were all given one spirit to drink. In verse 14 it says, Even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. What is the church? 
If you're following along in your note guide, each of these headings kind of starts with a, with, a, with a context or a principle or a practice and then has an equal sign, and there's something to be said about the reflection of that equal sign. What is the church? You'll see worship. Worship equals identity, and what that means in this context is we worship from our identity. And where does our identity come from? Our identity comes from the reality that we are created in the image of God. We worship the God who created us, and at the same time, as the church, we don't just worship as individuals. You and I don't just go to a place and worship by ourselves. Instead, we gather. We come here to this place as a, as a visual representation of our corporate worship. Now, we worship everywhere, and we should worship in every way, not just through song or through giving as we do here, but we worship in all ways and all facets of life. And so when we worship, we do so through the recognition that we are worshiping out of our identity and, and our, our identity in Christ, and we worship out of our unity with one another. In fact, this unity is a reflection of the Trinity. The Trinity is God in His form, and God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, and those three together have a relationship that edifies one another, that builds one another up, and that is a reflection of, or we should be a reflection of that specific or those specific relationships. Worship is not simply an individual act by itself, but in, in addition to, it's a corporate act. Corporate worship is something that, I, that we as the church identify through. We as the church reveal that we are, are this body that comes together, just as Paul is talking about, we are one body. Yeah, there are many parts, meaning many different people, but we are one body coming together. The unity of the church is done through the context of the Holy Spirit and under the head of Christ. Uh, recently, I was out and I was looking at uh, a bicycle. I was just sitting, and as people were kind of walking and riding by where I was at, I was looking at a specific bicycle, looking at all the different parts that you might see uh, on this bicycle. Any kids here have a bicycle? Yes? You might recognize the importance of many of the parts or all of the parts on the bicycle. You've got handlebars to help you to, to move and to be able to steer. You've got the wheels that, that propel you forward or the, that, that help you to go forward. You've got the, the pedals that you use to propel forward. Maybe some of you have training wheels even on your bike to keep you up as a way, a means to be able to keep you from falling down before you move forward. You've got the chain and the sprockets and all those things. And one of the most important things, whether you know this or not, on your bike are those brakes brakes, right? You have back brakes. Sometimes you, in a smaller bike or a, one that doesn't have speeds, you, you might have the back brakes where you push back on the pedals. Or you have the hand brakes, right, on, on the handlebars where you squeeze them and it stops you. When I was younger, I was, I, was, I was riding my bike, and as I was riding my bike, all the pieces were working efficiently together. As I pedaled, the, the chain would move, and it would move the wheels, and, and as I would steer, I would, I would be able to, to, to go left and right or straight or whatever I wanted to do. And I remember one day specifically, I was riding my bike. And I was riding with some of the neighbor kids, and there was actually a big hill right next to where I lived. And it was a, a, a steep hill, but it wasn't one that was traveled much. And I was really excited to one day ride that hill. And it turned out that because of the encouragement, or I will call it peer pressure, of my neighbors, it was time to ride that hill that specific day. And so myself and these neighbor kids, we went to the top of the hill 
and we, you know, we rode up a little while, I had to walk our bikes the rest of the way, we got to the top of the hill, and it was time, whether I knew it or not, to find out if all of the pieces of the bike were working together in unison efficiently as one bicycle. And as you might um, recognize, probably because I'm actually telling the story right now, that day I learned that not all the pieces of the bike were working together. In fact, I learned that the wheels, they were working fine. I learned that the steering, uh, the steering column was working okay, the chain was working okay, and I also learned that gravity was working okay. In fact, I learned that by the time I got two-thirds of the way down the hill, that gravity was working almost too well. I was going way faster than I wanted to. And eventually, as I got closer to the bottom, I also recognized that in, in some respect, that if I didn't slow down, I was going to run into a big, uh, a big area of, of pine trees. And so before I got to that specific place... I began to pump the brakes. And let me just tell you, that didn't work out the way that I intended. What I thought would happen is I would hit the brakes, I would slow down a little bit, I'd stop, we'd have a great time, and I'd go have some ice cream. But instead, what took place was I got near the bottom, I hit the brakes all at once, and I recognized that the front brake, it worked perfect just as it was supposed to. The back brake didn't work at all, and I learned how to do gymnastics by doing a full somersault over the handlebars. Fortunately, I landed in some grass, and so I wasn't beat up too bad. But let me just say that it is important that all pieces of the bike work together. At the same time, church, it is important that we live in unity with one another, that we worship corporately out of our identity in the creator of the world, the one who created us. We're individuals living together. We do have our own faith. We work together, but we do so in the context of worshiping corporately. And the point is this. The church is made up of people united in and by Christ. The church is made up of people united in and by Christ. Paul goes on in his letter, and we'll pick up here in verse 15. It says, now if the foot should say, now we're, we're using this imagery or this metaphor of the body. So now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for this reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And I'll just tell you, that would look fairly strange if the whole body was an eye. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I'm going to read two more verses, but let me just pause there for a second. What an amazing thought it is. What an encouraging thought it is. What a relief it is to recognize that God placed you and me, gave us the gifts he's given us, the place he's, he's chosen for us to live in history. Could have been anywhere else, but right here, right now, he chose for this place for you and for me to be. What a relief, but also what an encouragement. Verse 19 picks up or continues, and it says, If they were all one part, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, but one body. What is the church? This recognition of fellowship, there's this necessity for us to realize that it is interpersonal. Our relationships with one another matter. We don't just come here and and sing individually. We don't just come here and give individually. We don't just come here and experience the word. We don't go from this place and experience the world individually. Instead, we do so interpersonally, recognizing that it's corporate in one accord, in one, in one recognition of who God is and who we are as a corporate body. We are active, and we have this outward perspective of interpersonal relationships with each other here, recognizing that God created us to live in unity. He created us to live so that we might glorify Him through our relationships with each other. We're uniquely created in unison. It's interesting to note in this passage that there is no defying or, or, or tearing down anyone who is, quote, lesser. What it says here specifically is, now if the body should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong. So basically, it's someone or someone within the context of the body who believes they are lesser than others. It's not a recognition, of, it's, there's not a recognition here yet of someone saying, I have a better gift than you, so therefore you don't matter. Instead, it's the diminishing of the value that we have. So what's being said here is that Paul is, is expressing the fact that sometimes in life, and maybe you've been here before, that we find ourselves in a place where we say, I don't have anything to offer. Or maybe I don't have time to offer anything that I have been given it won't matter. Somebody else will take care of it. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. And sadly, because we recognize that not only is this corporate body a a, a macrocosm of the smaller body, which is our family, sometimes we even negate the responsibilities we have within the four walls of our own home. Somebody else will take care of it. Somehow it'll, it'll happen. When in essence, what Paul is saying here is there is no gift too small. Those back brakes on the bicycle, they matter. No matter what way God has gifted you, what he's gifted you with, that gift or those gifts matter to the kingdom. And God wants to use them and he wants to use you as part of his redemptive work, maybe in a small way, in the way that we would understand it, but in a huge way in the context of the body. Think about our bodies right now and think about the small parts that have a big impact. If you don't have your big toes, you can't balance. Kind of important, right? If, if you don't have eyelashes, you know those, those matter, right? It's not just for batting at that guy or that girl that you think is cute. And you can still do that after you're married. That's okay. Keep courting your spouse, right? They matter. The church is, d- is defined by the presence of Jesus in our lives and relationships. And the core of that recognition is this, that no matter how small we might perceive our own gifts within the context of the church, it doesn't matter how small we think it is or what, what it looks like, but instead it's all about the fact that, that we have been granted the presence of Jesus. And through that gift, through the gift that we have, we express, we expand upon, and we experience God's goodness in the lives around us and in our life as well. 
The basis for engagement in the church is found in, in 1 John 1, 7. It reads like this, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us all sin, of all, from all sin. I have an anonymous quote that uh, I, I've, I've heard it many times and I've said it many times. I've pondered upon this. You cannot draw nigh to God if you are at a distance from your brother. We need each other. We must glorify God through our relationships. Verse 17 and 18 once again reads like this. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Get this, the success of other believers in our lives is our success. The success of the seniors and the preschoolers that stood up out here, that's our success. And then sometimes we might look at success and we say, well, that's kind of small. It's not that big of a deal. We might even have thought that specifically. Well, preschool, well, that's a big deal. Those are formative years. If you don't think so, ask the, the preschool teachers or ask the parents of those preschoolers how big of a deal that is. Probably if you've had kids, you've said before these words, I can't believe I have a teenager. I can't believe I have a high schooler. I can't believe I have a middle school. I can't believe I have a kindergartner. Somebody said that this past week. And we mourn that and we celebrate that with them. At the same time, while we celebrate with one another in, in, in the, the successes and the celebration moments, we also, as if we look at tomorrow, we also mourn together. We remember together. We honor together those who served and gave their lives for our country. And you may not know anyone or have known anyone that personally served in the military and specifically gave their life. But the very fact that we know this has taken place, we mourn together. We honor together. We remember together. Finally, in this portion of Scripture, Paul continues in verse 21, and he brings this portion of it to a head. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And here he's flipping to the other side, those that may, may, may be demeaning the gifts of someone else that might be perceived as lesser. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with, with special honor. And the, and the parts that are undesirable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, given greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part honor, is honored, every part rejoices with it. And verse 27 says, Now you are the body, and each one of you is part of it. And the final thing, what is the church? Once again, the church, as we look down through it, is, is a place where, where we can engage in fellowship and in worship, but the church also is this recognition of mission. And mission is done through the body of Christ with a, with a, a full attitude and heart of selflessness. The mission is selfless, united with purpose. This is an upward uh, embodiment of worship, an upward embodiment of fellowship. The nature of Jesus points to the mission of the gospel. 
In fact, the word church in the Bible in the Greek is called, it's, the word is ekklesia. And basically what it means is the called out company, the assembly of believers that step out. We're not just to come to a place and worship. And we're not just to come to this place and, and, and gather together corporately. But our worship continues through the recognition that we have an opportunity to share the truth, to share the gospel, to go forward and, and to share the hope that we have and the joy that we've received. This commissioning idea that the, the, the one use of the, of the word um, uh, of sending or the one use of this, mat, this Latin word for mission in Galatians 2.8 talks about the apostle and this commissioning, this, this official permission or approval. Get this, God has given you and I the official commissioning and approval to step forward selflessly to further the mission. A selfless desire. And the point is this, the church's mission is the response of our worship and fellowship. Because doing alone really is lacking in purpose. We must first be a being. We were created literally human beings, not human doings. And therefore, as a human being, we are both in a form of worship and a form of fellowship. But our doing is this outward approach, this outward expression of the mission that God has given us through that. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. This transitioning thought is an interesting one. Perhaps the best way to adequately describe the nature and the makeup of the Trinity is to see it played out through the functioning and the reflection of the people, the church. And so when we look at what is the church, this question in general, we see mission, we see, we see worship, we, sh we see fellowship, but we also recognize that the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, is this recognition that that is what the church should look like. In fact, the bottom line is this, the church is to be a reflection of the Holy Spirit. This expanded relational unity. Each member of the Trinity edifies each other. Each member of the body of Christ should edify one another. Each member of the, of the, of the Trinity has its own role. Each member of the body of Christ has its own role to be able to serve, to guide, to lead. And each member of the Trinity is united. Each member of the church should be united. As I stated earlier, the, the church, or excuse me, the family is somewhat of a microcosm of the church. I think I said it in the reverse order. Of the universal church itself. And our relationships within the family should embrace those understandings of the Trinity. This morning I have some seeds here on uh, my, my podium. I've got actually a handful of seeds. I've got uh, several different kinds here. I just dropped a couple. I'll pick those up. A couple different kinds here. I've got some, uh, some beans. I've got some, uh, some radish seeds, some peas. I've got some onion seeds. And it's interesting to note all these different types of seeds. Are there any kids in here that would like a seed? Now, this is a choking hazard for some. If you want a seed, I want you to come up here. If you're, if you're in here right now, you're joining us from children's ministry, come on up here. If you wish you were in children's ministry, you can get one too. There's a seed. Actually, I'll let you pick. You pick out which one you want. Is that the one you want? There you go. Come on up and get a seed. Oh, there we go. Very anxious to come on up. Here you go. Grab a seat. Here they come. Just takes one to get on that bike and then everybody follows, right? Everybody grab a seat. 
A lot of bean fans, I'm noticing. Probably because it's the biggest. Thank you for your patience, sir. There you go. Anybody else want one? Yeah? Mark, do you want a seed? Okay. Here you go. It's coming at you. Close. He's the basketball chaplain, not football, so you didn't have to receive that pass, right? I guess they pass a little. Steve, you don't know anything about sports. Okay, let's move on. So all these different types of seeds, and it's interesting to note that there, there is no seed here. Now, some of you might look at a different type of, of uh, produce, and you might say, hey, this kind of seed, uh, it's going to make some, something I'm, I'm not, I don't prefer. But there's no doubt that we recognize that there's fruit. There's a recognition that each seed that, we, that I have here, whether it be a bean or I think this one is a, is a radish, this is a, an onion or a, a pea, um, looks like some of the, the more popular ones are gone. All of these seeds that we have, every, every seed that we see was created with a purpose. Every seed that we have and the ones that you kids hold in your hands right now, they were created with a purpose. And that purpose um, is interesting. It wasn't created with a purpose uh, of, of necessarily eating it right away, although you probably could eat these. It wasn't created with the purpose uh, of just kind of throwing away or putting it in our pocket and forgetting about it. No, it was created with the purpose of germinating and growing and bearing fruit. The seed that, that you have right now, while it's different than some of the others, has a specific purpose. And when given the proper nutrition, when given the water, when given sunlight, when given the proper soil, when all the things that are necessary, this seed or the seeds that you hold in your hand right now will eventually be destroyed. And it'll open, and it will grow, and if done properly, it will yield beautiful and delicious fruit. And what's interesting about the fruit that it will yield, and none of these have been, uh, been, been uh, genetically altered in any way, that fruit will then once again create more seeds, and more fruit will come from it. And this ripple effect of growth will be the, the, uh, the, the result of this specific and amazing invention or creation, we should say, that God has given to us. But perhaps the most profound thing about the specific seed that you hold is for it to be able to create or to bring forth any fruit, it must literally cease to exist. And so when we look at the context of the specific church, the specific understanding of what the church is, we recognize that one of the first things that has to take place within the context of the church is that we must, to be able to, to join the body of Christ, we must die to self. And what that means specifically, boys and girls, is this. And everybody else, you can listen in too, but I'm talking to those kids that are holding the seeds right now. It means that you recognize that a God, the creator of the world, a God loves you so much, the one who created you, the only true God, that he sent his son Jesus. And his son Jesus lived a perfect life, and he took on the sins of the world. 
He died for you as a sacrifice. And because of that sacrifice, as he rose from the dead, he brought forth an opportunity for you and for me and for your parents and your grandparents and everyone around you to be able to experience real and lasting, true life. And that's not life here on earth where you live forever, but instead that's life spiritually where you live with Jesus in heaven forever. But the one thing that's necessary, just like this seed, is it has to, you have to die to self. Your, your old self has to be gone, has to be destroyed. And then part of your being from then on is to grow into a beautiful tree, a beautiful plant that brings forth and yields fruit, vegetation, or vegetables for others. Spiritually speaking, you must die to embrace your place or to be part of the body of Christ. What is the church? We are. Specifically, when we die to self and we reflect the nature, the character, the relationship of our God. And so I'm going to pray here in just a moment. What I want to ask you to do is if you are with family, I want you to, uh, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand if you can, or uh, if you want to just gather together and hold hands if you're willing to do so. If you're here right now and you're not with family, uh, feel free to, to, to jump in. If you're here with your family, absorb those people that are, that are here together because we are part of a larger body of Christ, a larger family. And so uh, don't let anyone stay out on their own. But specifically, if you've got a child with us, I want you to, to have that. If you're a child, you can hold it tight or or hold it out so that everybody can see. But I want us to have that imagery of that seed. Perhaps today is the day for somebody, uh, young and old alike, that you recognize the fact that your seed is still hard. Your seed is, is, is still, uh, you know, it's, it's still hanging on to its own agenda and hasn't yet allowed the Lord, just like your heart, to be softened. Perhaps this is the moment for that. For your heart to be softened, for your heart to be open, for God to move and for you to step in and gain a whole new family of brothers and sisters in Christ. What we know as the church. And so would you stand now and, and, and join hands with uh, family or other friends that are around so that we might have this prayer on this family Sunday together. I'll give you a moment. Gather everyone in. Don't allow anyone to be by themselves. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for the imagery that we see uh, first of, of Paul's letter of the fact that there is a, a body and that you, your son Jesus, is the head and that we can operate within that and our, our identity is that of worship and our and our, our mode, our action is that of, of interpersonal fellowship and at the same time our goal and our desire and your desire for us is this mission of bringing forth more understanding, more love, more fruit for your kingdom. God, additionally, we pray right now with the imagery of this seed. And while there's children holding on to these and maybe some that are, that are showing it to the rest of the group, God, may the seed be uh, in, in a representation, an opportunity for us to recognize, God, what you can and want to do in our lives. 
May there be no one in here that, that leaves today or that turns off this live stream, God, with a hardened shell, with a, with a heart that says, I am not open. I don't want to hear. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this for whatever reason. Maybe they've been hurt or been discouraged or feel like God has not come through for them. Whatever it might be, God, may you start to begin to soften that shell. Might each one of us, God, live in a way where, we, where we, we, we reject the patterns of this world, we reject the hardness of our heart that Satan might bring upon us, and might we step forward, God, as individuals, as family units, and as the family of God in this place to say, God, we are your church. May our lives and our life together bear much fruit. May we hear you, may we know you, may we grow in you, God, because of who you are the way that you've empowered us and because of the way, God, that you engage in our present in our lives. God, we thank you for the family. We thank you, God, for what we celebrate today in graduates. We thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have tomorrow to, to remember and, and to lift up and, and to honor those as we mourn together as well and all the things that we get to do together as a church because that's how you called us to live. But in all of it, God, may we not forget May we be reminded of the fact, God, that you've created us to live as your church, reflecting the relationship of your Trinity. As we go from this place, may we be encouraged. May, Father, we encourage each other, edify each other. May we lift you up in all we do and all that we say. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. As you go from this place, you may be embraced with the question, once again, what is the church? Remember, the church is us. Go specifically with the desire to reflect him and to be that seed, open and germinated, to bring fruit to the world. Go with God, he'll go with you. God bless you. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.